This is KTP Media Podcast. I am your host, Vic Muscat. Today for this first segment, we're going to do things a little different on the show. I'm going to go tackle the issues that we see on the news and on social media that people seem to be walking on eggshells about. They don't want to see how they really feel. I'm here to say I do not care what people think of my opinions because they're not just opinions, they are fact. I do not go by what's cool. I do not go by and say things to get more likes or followers. I go by what one of the good books that I grew up with called the Webster Dictionary says. The, the book that has words, that has meaning behind them, that built our society the way it is today. And now people are trying to tear that all down, trying to discredit what words actually mean. And during using that logic, I'm going to tell you, wait, this is your wake-up call. This is your tough love. I love everyone. But this is what you need to understand to make our society better. And if you don't, our society is going to keep on crumbling. And, and the blood that is spilled will be on your hands. First, before I get into all this, I want to congratulate the Dallas Cowboys for being the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday night. My Eagles had a, a tough game against San Francisco. We went to Dallas. I figured that we would go in there. I guess a Dallas team that doesn't do that well against good teams. And we were... Not kill them, but we'll, be, we'll win. We got destroyed. And I have no excuses. I am not going to say flags, refs. Oh my, I'm not going to blame the refs. That's such a cop-out right there. But we lost. And congratulations to the Dallas Cowboys. You, I did not believe in Dallas before this game. I thought Dallas was a team that just beat up good, uh, bad teams. You proved me wrong. And I have had Dallas fans message me this morning, like laughing at me about, you know, I lost. And what can I say back other than congratulations? Because no matter what Philadelphia fans say, years down the road, people go look at December 10th, 2023, Philadelphia at Dallas. They're going to see the final score, and that's what all people are going to care about. They're not going to care about the quarterback rating. They're not going to care about how a run game did, our passing game did, if the refs had good calls, bad calls. No one's going to care. All they're going to care about is the final score. And Dallas beat us. But about Philadelphia fans, I believe in, you know, after you lose, you, you're a good sport if you win or you're humble if you lose. And a lot of sports fans, and I'm going to use the Eagles, for example, for this one. So Eagles fans, they can't acknowledge defeat or can't acknowledge a graceful winner. There is no reason to say, hey, better team won last night. There's no reason to not say that because it's true. Instead, they have to Hit your attitude. They have to be all, uh, well, fuck you if you don't like it. No, fuck you. 
And I'm saying this to my Eagles brothers and sisters. Fuck you. There's no reason not to be humble. There's no reason not to say, hey, you know, we lost. Because at the end of every season, Dallas could whip the shit out of us both times that we play them in one regular season. It's the Super Bowl championship that matters. If we won the Super Bowl, it got asses kicked by Dallas. Those two are two weeks in the regular season. It would not matter because we're Super Bowl champions. People dwell in the past about, you know, oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. You move forward. Because taking steps backward doesn't get you to the Super Bowl. But we have to act like Philly Nation and this and that. No, you're acting like an embarrassment. An embarrassment to ourselves and our franchise. Like, check out this kid. He went to a Buffalo... He's a Buffalo fan. He went to see the Eagles play his boys, the Bills, a couple weeks ago. And what did Eagles fans do? They made fun of him. They called him names. They told him to fuck off and fuck this. And that. what about this? Is about football. This is about this is what the Eagles fans, Cowboy fans, Bills fans, Niners fans need to realize. This is about the sport of professional football that we love. And we're not acknowledging that. We're just acknowledging our team. But, 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 but we're, we're like, realistically, what has our team our team, done for you? They have a big win. What do they do for you? They give you credit. Honorable mention. But that's all. If the Eagles were to won, I would have gotten up at 6.30, gotten breakfast ready, taking my wife to work, my kids to school, and come back and get some work done around the house. Yeah. Cowboys win. What happened? The Owls won. I still got up at 6.30 in the morning. Got breakfast ready. Brought my family to where they need, ever needed to be. Went home and did stuff around the house. My life does not change. Your life does not change. And you want to spit out this hate about you must protect your team. If they anyone says anything about your team, it's like they insulted your mother. A lot of football fans, Eagles fans in particular, sound like that. If they love their team more than their own mother. And that's why I find disgusting. That's why I call myself the Philadelphia Eagles fan base, the 802 chapter. Because it's very little Eagles fans around where I'm at. It's all this Patriot Nation. But we're the ones that show honor. We're the ones that shows respect towards other teams. Before the game, if you want to do all trash talking, that's fine. But after the game, Show some respect. Have beer with your fellow football fans. We have enough hate in this world. People are being separated by Democrat, Republicans. They're being separated by WWE, AEW. Now we're being separated by sports teams. The whole one nation under God is becoming a joke. Of sports.
Blaze. Always makes me. And the fights that you see that break out in stadiums in like Los Angeles, Dallas, that come on. Maybe we should just be ban beer. Ban any sort of form of drinking. Make it illegal to prevent these fights. That'll take out the fun of the game, wouldn't it? And whose fault would that be? Yours. It just shows that we as sports fans need to get our head out of our asses and have it be the best man win, the best team win, and not making little adjustments to cater to people. Sports is not about catering to people. It's about a bunch of athletes, a bunch of gladiators going to field of battle. Doing whatever it takes to win. And then having the honor of being humble in defeat or being gracious in victory. I saw something in the NBA that actually made my stomach turn, made me sick. The, the in-season tournament, whatever the fuck is called, I didn't pay too much attention to it because I tried looking at it when it first started. It was confusing as hell. Then as I was like watching as it progressed, it made sense to me. It made sense to me that the NBA thought this. Well, Braun James, he's deteriorating on the court because of age. He's great in the beginning of the season, but as the season rolls on, he's less and less effective. How can we boost him up to make him look great again? You have a beginning of a season when he's fresh, crisp, and you have a tournament, and you make it like the NBA Finals. So we're going to go devalue the NBA Finals for this moron. This is disgusting. I mean, why else would you have a in-season tournament at the beginning of the season? I mean. I, th- I got my bathing suit after I saw this out in my shorts, thinking like, hey, it's June, NBA Finals, to celebrate. good for LeBron. Wait, what do you say? That's beginning of the season? It's, they had a trophy present- presentation, MVP presentation, and why would you do that? Why? You have the NBA Finals. Now you have Two championships? For what? So you paddle bronze numbers up so you could be better than Jordan? LeBron's never going to be better than Jordan. Jordan, first of all, he was all about the team. He had people built around him so he can win championships. Yes, he was egotistical. Yes, he was arrogant. Yes, he was probably like all me sometimes. But... Not once you did not see Jordan, 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 political views. Jordan says this. Jordan wants that. Jordan crying, crying for fouls. Jordan playing complaining because referees are not giving the calls that he thought he should have got. That was not Jordan. Jordan was, a, when you saw Jordan, you saw Jordan and, hey, Scotty Pippen did that. Horace Grant did this. 
Hey, PJ Armstrong, you did that too. With the LeBron's Lakers, it's just disgusting to see the NBA cater to him the way they are. You have many, many, many outstanding talent in the NBA. Steph Curry, he's still kicking. You have Jason Tatum. You have a lot of good players, and you still catering to someone who's past his prime and you make it look like he hasn't passed his prime, you have to make this in-season tournament. Which no, no doubt they're going to make that part of LeBron James's championship legacy. Trying to top Jordan. No doubt. And you know what? It might work. Because numbers don't lie. But they're, once again, instead of going by what the dictionary says, the Webster Dictionary that built the society that we live on today, instead of going by what it says, they're going to twist it and turn it for what? For money? You can still make a lot of money showcasing Steph Curry. You can still make a lot of money showcasing... Kevin Durant. You can still make a lot of money showcasing a lot of outstanding talent, but it's all about LeBron. And each year, the NBA viewerships drop, and they drop, and they drop, and they drop. Why? Because people are sick and tired of LeBron's bullshit. And we're still catering to him. NBA is dying. It is dying rapidly. It's going to become a shell of itself. Because it's not just about money that makes a promotion. That's what WWE needs to realize. It's not about the money. It's about the legacy. It's about the magic behind it. It's about, you know, being that little kid watching on TV and being excited. And now money and politics is just overshadowing that. And it makes me sick. I feel sorry for our kids these days that can't just enjoy the NBA. They have to deal with the politics and the catering. This is disgusting. And this goes to the commissioner who allows it to happen. This is embarrassing. It's disgusting. But we still we still eat it up, don't we? They're spoon feeding us bullshit. And we're just gobbling that shit down. The other thing I find really disgusting that people are just like taking up the ass on is the WWE's tribute of the troops. They used to go out to the trenches. Where the, where the troops were camped out in the Middle East to perform a show, and they showcased the troops. It was all about the troops. The matches they put together, some didn't make that much sense, but it was about the troops. It didn't matter. And what they do this past Friday night, they had an arena in Providence. Section of the troops, we had some 
troops right there, some military personnel. Great. But that was it. Just a small section of them. The rest were fans. You don't want to go to the Middle East in the trenches anymore. I that's I get that. Fine. Too dangerous, but you go to Fort Bragg. You go to a mil major military base and you showcase the military. Not showcase yourselves in front of them. That's fucking moronic. And maybe they don't go to the Middle East anymore because they don't make money off it. That's the thing. Do they make money off it? No. If they attribute the troops, do you think the troops pay for the tickets? No. WWE is about profit. And they're saying like, hey, we still attribute the troops. You see, there's the troops. We salute you. A small section of troops is nothing compared to what they deserve. They deserve to have that whole arena filled with military men and women. Tr give them a tribute that they deserve. Instead, small section, ticket-paying fans all the way around because the WWE is about greed, is about their money, and it's a time. It's time for people to fucking wake up and realize two things. One, WWE doesn't care about the fans. They don't. They're taking away house shows. It's going to just be Raw, SmackDown, and the premium events. Why? Because their house shows doesn't bring them enough money to make them happy. It's not profitable enough for them. They want to sell Monday Night Raw tickets front row for close to $1,000. That's what they want. They don't want to sell five, $600 for a house show. It's all about the money. And two, when you look up the words sports entertainment and then you look at professional wrestling, it's two different meanings. It's separate. But the WWE is manipulating people, saying, no, we're still professional wrestling. Well, they're not. They're still using money to be in the same category as them. But we, the people, are sitting here taking it up the ass. We're eating it all up. The tribute to the troops was disgusting. That was a spit in the face of us, the American troops, that sacrificed their time, sacrificed themselves and their families to protect us and our rights. Don't they deserve what they used to be? Don't they deserve a real tribute to the troops? Not just, hey, we'll just go see him. We'll give him CM Punk. It's okay. Come on. WWE dropped the ball on this one heavily once again. And it's sad. And until we, if we take it, that means we do not believe in this country. We do not believe in the troops that sacrifice their selves, family, time for us. We do not respect that. I saw that and I turned it right off because I was disgusted. And if you watched it and you don't recognize that this was 
just a blatant disrespect to a tribute the troops supposed to be, then you're a fucking war. Speaking about not acknowledging what things are and what the definition is and honor and respect and all that stuff. When you become a father, you have a responsibility to love and protect your children, no matter what cost. And when I saw this, I had mixed feelings about. And now, granted, this is not going to be, it's going to be frowned upon by a lot. But this is how I feel when it comes to this matter. State is making history, but not everyone is happy about this. California officially the first state to pass a law giving groundbreaking new rights to transgender students, like the freedom to choose which school bathroom, which locker room uh, you want to use, and which sports teams he or she may join, just based upon which gender a boy or a girl chooses to identify with. And a lot of transgender students, they see this as a huge win. I'm transgender myself, and I had to miss classes and programs because of my identity. And no student should have to lie about themselves in order to get all the credits they need to graduate. You know, if you want to be a transgender, if you're a female, want to be a male, male, want to be a female, that's you. Good job. Be you. Be authentic. That's great. But when you have my little girl in a women's bathroom and a transgender female who used to be a male and may walls of science still as a male, not going to get into that. If you go in the bathroom, same bathroom as my little girl, you will have to deal with me. Do you have to deal with me watching, making sure you don't do anything, or me grabbing you by the hair, throwing you out? It's not my fault that society is not going, hey, let's just make unisex bathrooms. I'm cool with that. I am absolutely great with that. But I've spoken before about how there's always bad apples in the bunch. You have police officers shooting black people because they're racist. Not all officers are like that. And I know all transgenders are not like this. But you do have your sick perverts, your sick freaks out there. I do not, I cannot read minds. I do not know who's a sick pervert and who's an actual person that believes that they're transgender. So a lot of people would say they believe it up and down, all over the place, all over social media, all over campus, all over everywhere. And it's not true. If you're a biological male going in a girl's bathroom, my daughter, I will retaliate one way or another because that's what I do. That's my code as a father. I protect and love my children. Am I not supposed to? Not to honor the code of a father. And by allowing the chance, no, it might be a small chance, but the chance that you have a biological male going to a female bathroom, claiming they're a woman, just to have their sexual way, not with them, but they can just get off on something. Absolutely not. 
I will protect my daughter. I will defend my daughter. I will make sure no one harms my daughter. I will make sure there's no potential threat on my daughter. And people can frown upon this and be like, oh, how dare I, all they want. Because what they don't understand is the code of the father. This is basic shit they teach you in church with the Bible. This is basic shit they teach you in schools. And this is something, this is basic shit that people seem to have forgotten. Father thinks it's all right to knock up some girl and then disappear and not be a dad, father. Not me. I will protect and love and protect my children no matter what cause. And if I feel like there's a potential threat here, so be it. Why don't you just do basic shit? Like go to go to your local DMV, get your the sex and your driver's license changed. That's basic. But going in there dressed like a woman, saying you're a woman, without any hormones or procedures or anything like that. That if you're going through procedures and that process stuff like that, okay, you get benefit of the doubt, and you're just being watched over. But when you're a male dressed like a female and you don't have no goals, no plan, nothing to go through the procedures, go through everything, to reach that dream, you're just a guy dressed as a girl, you will get your ass kicked. Being in the same bathroom as my daughter, period. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if I get blacklisted. I don't care if I get canceled. That's how I feel. And if you don't like it, Hey, that's a you problem. Life's tough. Wear a helmet. But I will protect my daughter by any means necessary. We are deteriorating as a nation, as a society. And that's quite evident. I know that they, people say it's not fair and this should be that. That should be that. It's known as so that's what what the government is not providing to you. You cannot take it out and lash out against American people that have strong beliefs. Because the way we're going, we're going to just become like this guy. Why is everybody saying Gen Z is going to get drafted? Like, <laughs> no, the fuck we're not. And you know why I know that? Because we're just going to say no. Like, how are they going to actually force us to get up and go to work? I understand it was like that in like the 1940s. What else is there to do in 1940 besides shoot people? We have things to do nowadays. We have to work, be bisexual, eat a hot chip, alive. And we're also like really mentally ill. I have like six of these. What makes you think I'm qualified to have a gun? Like within 600 feet of anybody, including myself. And finally, like guns are like, so tacky like can you imagine just like pulling up with a gun like that is so fucking embarrassing like what is this the revolutionary fucking word no like let's just chat let's just talk there's no there's no need for all the like like no <laughs> no it's not gonna happen don't worry we'll go become like that kid selfish arrogant uneducated because wars and battles is not just about being on the field with guns. There's many different areas you can be a part of that's not in the battlefield. 
file fucking papers. Do something. But saying like, no, I can't do that. I'm mentally ill. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We are we are catering the mentally ill instead of thinking of ways to battle against it. We are accepting it instead of facing it head on. That's a battle that we're losing. We're losing the battle of being mentally ill. People are just like being lazy, sitting on their asses going, I'm mentally ill. Oh, well. Instead of honoring what you, honoring the codes, what makes you a man, honoring the codes that you grew up with, honoring what a book of words that build our society, that makes our economy great, that makes it everything run smoothly and makes this country one of the most powerful country in the nation, in the world, I should say. We're just ignoring all that. We're making rules that we not, should not be making. And that's going to crumble us. 2024 election coming up. Looks like it's going to be Trump and Biden again. Why? Why can't we have an independent? Why do we have to choose? Why can't we just go by our own path? And I know that's he's saying like that's hypocritical by me, saying like, well, you just said, yes, you go by your own path by the logic, by the knowledge that's out there, by the tools that we have. Instead of just sitting back going like, you know what, six million people, this guy has 6,000 likes, six million likes. I'm just going to follow his basic and his knowledge because it makes more sense. It makes more sense than going by what makes this country work, make it run, makes us better, makes us stronger. It's just easier that way. And that's what's killing us. That's what's hurting this nation. And it's time for us to get off our asses and be like, you know what? Let's go use something. I'm going to show you right now real fast a device that I use a lot. When I when I question things, when I see on social media, exactly, mostly social media, I'm going to show you what tool I use to make it, to, to make me knowledgeable, to make me learn and what's understanding and understand things that's going on in the world today. And that is this device right here. Google. If you don't want to read a dictionary, you can type in the definitions right there. But instead, we much rather, much rather go with the trend. And that's what kills us, the trend. Trend kills. But we much rather go, to a, go for a trend than what reality is. And reality is Gen Z the weakest generation in the United States history is just the beginning of what we will we'll, we'll become. Everyone thinks they're right. A lot of states in the South, in the United States, they believe incest 
is the way to go still. 14 states in the United States still say incest is legal. No matter what, what science or what we've witnessed before about brother, sister has a baby, baby comes out with all sorts of deformities and just messed up. We ignored that because we feel like we're right. We feel like that we get right, that we're smarter than science. We're smarter than Webster Dictionary. We're smarter than the Bible. And we're just not. What we're doing is we're crumbling our own society. We are putting the guns to our head with one bullet in the chamber, just click, 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 click. And when things don't go our way, what do we do? We go on X to complain. And we complain about stuff that we do not know what we're talking about because we just complain about people not following the trend. I mentioned before the 2024 elections coming up. People are going to make you say, you must pick a side. You have to pick a side. Ignore about ignore about the indictments that's coming Trump's way. Ignore the fact that Biden's 80 years old and our economy is a mess. Ignore all that. You must pick one or the other. Why? What we will do the election and vote for someone to make our country better, to make our lives better. If they don't make either of that better then why should we vote for them? Why should we pick a side? This is wrong with our society. We just, we just put up with so much bullshit. Don't question it. We just eat it all. And that makes a lot of people morons and idiots. A lot of people who believe in a lot of the logic of the WWE or picking a side in the presidential election, you might as well live in the South. You might as well be in a cabin. You might as well be fucking your sister. Because that's all you're good for. With the big boys, with the adults who are in the society, just go away. Go away and leave us alone. Michael Kruger will be on the show right after this. It is KTB Media Podcast. KTB Media Podcast is back on the air. With me today, this is a guest who I showed clips to my colleagues who absolutely pussied out when they saw this guy because he is quite the demon. He is from the seventh circle of hell. And he rose again in 2023. He is a deathmatch and pro wrestler, Michael Kruger. How are you doing, sir? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on tonight. And I'm sorry that your colleagues couldn't make it, but uh, I guess what I do is not for everybody. Don't worry about it. They're, they're fucking pussies, like I said before. <laughs> it's, it's like before, it's like, before I say you're going to be on and I had the picture to to promote your episode, they were cool with it. Everything was fine. And then I started, you know, doing my 
know, research background check so I don't, don't look like an idiot talking to you. And I was like, oh, look at this clip. Look at this guy. <laughs> and I was comparing you to, to Cruel. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then I show the clip and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my kid has a karate practice today. <laughs> I'm in a hotel on a Monday. I don't know why. And it's so noisy here. You cannot hear anything. I'm sorry. I can't go. That's great. Yes. So how did you get involved in the sport? Oh, man. Well, I was really young when I first started. Uh, so I was a, a, a high school wrestler before I became a pro wrestler. And uh, I was pretty focused on that. I had been practicing with a high school team since I was 12 years old. And uh, I uh, was pretty good. And I was going to go to college for it. And I actually had a scholarship uh, to go. N nothing crazy, but it was a little... Uh, D3 school in Minnesota and um, I ended up getting kicked out of school losing my scholarship and uh, the story behind that's actually kind of funny it was uh, me and a buddy were messing around with boxing gloves in the wrestling room before uh, before practice and we had boxing gloves just because we'd hit like a heavy bag as you know cardio while for wrestling and stuff and we were messing around and I accidentally knocked my buddy out well the athletic commission got wind of it because my buddy went to a trainer to get ice on his head. He took a concussion test and they ended up kicking me off the wrestling team and expelling me from school. And I lost everything. So I was pretty devastated. And I was 17 at the time. And I uh, decided that I was going to take a whack at pro wrestling because no matter what, if I did wrestle in college, I did all, all uh, eventually want to go and train to be a pro wrestler. Uh, but I wasn't expecting to do it that young. And uh, I luckily found a few people that uh, took me in. And I, uh, until I couldn't bump until I was 18, but uh, I, I did roles for months and months and months until eventually I turned 18 and I got to start learning your fundamentals for pro wrestling itself and not just your roles and stuff like that. I got to ask, we say you can't bump to 18. Is that you can't, I can't bump till I'm 18, like legal mumbo jumbo, or we already like bumping here and there, but nothing. Um. So, so here's the, here's the thing. Like I would try to like practice when nobody was looking. If I could get any ring time when nobody was around, I was already trying, but in practice itself, they were pretty strict on not letting me bump at all. So I just, uh, for literally the first probably 15 to 20 practices, did nothing but learn front roll, back roll, three-quarter roll. And those were all things I had done in amateur wrestling. So I I, I kind of already knew those things. Uh, but it was good for repetition and just kind of making those things second nature, but it did suck because I wanted to get in there and, you know, suplex somebody and start taking bumps. And I, I wasn't able to. Were you a professional wrestling fan even before you were kicked off the amateur team? Oh yeah. I, I I've been a pro wrestling fan my whole life. Uh, it, I grew up in a big pro wrestling family. Uh, my family's from New York. So it was, uh, and used to go to like Madison square garden, whenever there was big wrestling events, my grandparents, uh, even like 
we're talking back to like Haystack Calhoun and Killer Kowalski days. Uh, so it is, it has always been a big thing in my family and, uh, none of us ever took a, took a crack at being a pro wrestler, but we were always fans. How long did your training actually take between your first day of professional wrestling school to your first official match? Okay. So uh, I started pro wrestling training in early February and I had ended up having my first match in uh, the, I think, I believe it was the end of August of uh, 2014. So I, uh, I, I, once I got to bumping, I really started to like, progressed very quickly and i had a little crisis happen where the people that were training me decided that they weren't going to train people anymore so i kind of had to find myself a new trainer and once i did he really taught me so much in such a short amount of time and he ended up working with me like we used to go get in ring times just me and him on extra days and it really like it was like I, I think I must have learned a good eight months of stuff within three. And it, it and because of that, uh, somebody forgot, uh, didn't show up one day, and I brought my gear to a lucha show and I got my first match at the end of August that year. So you never know, you always come prepared, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what states are you currently licensed to wrestle in? Um, well, not so down the West coast, it's a little bit different. Uh, you don't need licenses, uh, in certain States. So, uh, but right now I, uh, I, I just primarily wrestle in California in Arizona. I, I, I do have a show coming up. Um, it's, uh, December 16th. It's, uh, for Casa Grande wrestling. Uh, but usually I don't really work local in arizona and that's where i'm based out of is in tucson arizona um so right now just california mainly but i would like to work other places i have worked other places uh years ago but i just came back to wrestling this year in 2023 why did you take the hiatus um it wasn't really a hiatus i just straight up quit (laughs) uh but Man, it's a long story, but uh, basically I had tore my ACL and uh, this is back in 2017. I was going on a pretty good little run and this was uh, a few months after I had an infamous match that a lot of people talk about with Schlack at IWA Deep South or Deep, not not IWA Deep South, IWA Mid-South, excuse me. after that match, uh, I, I had wrestled, you know, a few more months there. And then uh, I had a accident happen in a ring. A ring wasn't put up correctly. I threw a face wash in the corner and the ring in that corner kind of collapsed a little bit. And my I buckled on my knee and completely tore my ACL. So I had to get surgery on that. And uh, when I got surgery, my recovery time ended up taking a really long time. And when it did, I got really out of shape. So by the time I came back to wrestling, it was about a year and a half-ish later. Um, I was just, I was out of shape and I had no business being in there. And I knew it. And uh, I ended up wrestling I think it probably in the end, like another eight to 10 matches. 
And during that time, I ended up winning a deathmatch tournament, which kind of sucked because I didn't really felt like I deserved it because I let myself get so out of shape and felt like my matches weren't very good. And all of that, a lot of mental strain, and I ended up just uh, not wanting to do it anymore. And it wasn't fun for me anymore. It became a, a chore and became something that I felt like I had to show up to and not something I wanted to show up to. And so because of that, I said, screw this. I'm not, I'm not going to just play wrestler like this and be miserable. So I, I ended up quitting. And during that time, uh, a lot of things happened in my life. And uh, I feel like I grew a lot as a person doing due to being so young in the business. I felt like I was very immature with the way I handled some things back when I that caused me to quit. And uh, now that I'm a little bit older, I, uh, I look at things differently and I just I, I, I people have, had been pushing for me to come back to wrestling since I quit and I just never listened. And I, during a long process of things, I started getting in better shape. Uh, I got in worse shape actually after I quit wrestling. And then I ended up losing over 135 pounds. And once I, I, I started losing a bunch of weight, uh, kind of went through a little life crisis coming out on the other end of it. I decided I wanted to come back to wrestling and I had these two kids that I broke into the business back in 2017 that had a ring that they trained at every day. Uh, so I decided to pop in there, started dipping my toes in. And then uh, so I started training August of 2022, and I had my first match back this year in March. Nothing like missing a a chair cover wrapped around barbed wire. Yeah, right. Chair, but nothing like missing like a staple gun to your temple and getting it at all. Nothing like that feeling. Yeah, dude. You know, it's funny. I love that. I like. I, I now that I'm back doing death matches again. Like I, I miss that uh, high that you get off of it when you're done and you're proud of your match. And like, it, it just there's nothing else like it. Like regular wrestling is very fulfilling for me, but there's nothing like going through a train wreck, coming out okay, and then being able to look up at everybody and go. Whoa, that was fun <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like literally the, the way i could describe deathmatch wrestling for being a performer is like you're driving a fast car and then you get into a wreck but goddamn, you're 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 you know you're beat up but you're not like severely injured and you look and you're like that was fun that's that's what it is for me how traumatized were you after your match with with slack <laughs> so i've had two of them and uh both times i have not uh come out the best <laughs> let's let's just put it that way uh the first one was definitely uh the most cuts i've ever had on my body it's the most i've ever bled ever in my career still to this day probably the most i've ever bled um and then the second time he hit me seven times with a weed whacker so that guy's kind of a dick <laughs> but i did but outside of that he's actually a pretty cool dude 
uh, that's actually one of the guys that was pushing me to come back to wrestling, which I can't thank him enough because I honestly didn't really take it seriously until he, uh, like I, I want, I knew I wanted to, but I didn't kick it into another gear until he was like, yeah, dude, you should come back for sure. Uh, and I love that guy, but yeah, both of our matches have been absolute train wrecks and, uh, in the best way possible. Uh, I mean, train, train wreck in an endearing way, because those are also two of my favorite matches I've ever had. And probably the two matches I'm most known for. Yeah, guy beats the shit out of you with the weed whacker. And at the end, it's like shaking hands. Like, Hey, that was a good match, man. It's a good fight. Good fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it'd be like that sometimes. Uh, I, I don't, I, you, you know, it's funny you say that, like, we're, we're we're talking podcasts you know i'm not trying to go kayfabe you too much but like oh, no, go ahead. i i don't really love the 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 shaking hands like after a uh, a pro wrestling like death match or like a fight you know what i mean but a afterwards absolutely like we're all fucking friends drinking beer having fun after uh but for the effect of like uh, I guess pro wrestling just itself it needs to be like a simulated fight so let's not have like any of that shaking hands like you did a good job buddy bullshit until you get into the back uh, that's like a pet peeve of mine it's just like having a couple of beers with your friends saying like sorry I'm about to whip your ass tomorrow with yeah. some thumbtacks you know, yeah sorry. you know what I mean it, it, it I think it takes away a little bit from the illusion of it really being a fight and you, you know you I, I, we do get pretty fucked up <laughs> So what is your primary finishing maneuver in the ring? Why is it uh, your finisher of choice? Or do you just uh, beat the shit out of people until they can't respond? <laughs> I mean, a little bit of both. But uh, so my actual like pro wrestling finisher is the package pile driver. And uh, I, I, I'm a bit, I'm a big Kevin Steen fan. Uh, he's actually a big reason why I felt like I could actually even become a pro wrestler just because he was such an athletic big guy. And I, I, it didn't really click to me that like somebody that just looks like a normal guy could be such a goddamn amazing worker. So it's partly him, but actually it's more brain damage. The CZW uh, deathmatch legend. He, uh, he was the first guy I ever saw hit a package pile driver. And I just remember always thinking that was a cool move. The pile driver itself, I think is the coolest wrestling move ever. So, uh, that, that I, I decided to make that variation. But I also have a glove that has some rusty nails on it that I like to stick in people's heads. Uh, that's And sometimes they tap out to that. So those are my two primary pro wrestling like finishers. You think Kevin Steen would be more like of a badass if he stayed away from WWE than have Kevin Owens? What not used as much sometimes you see him as a fan as a fan of him i'm glad the guy's making his money but god damn is there a lot of people outside the wwe that i think he would have some amazing matches with and i also like i prefer kevin steen over kevin owens you know any day of the week uh granted as kevin owens he still has great matches too but like there's nothing like that old school Kevin Steen heel run that he had from like 2010 uh, until he got signed. Man, if he's making enough and he's happy, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, dude, uh, I mean, wrestling talk, like him and Sami Zayn, I don't think are going anywhere because they got those guys locked down. Some pretty, like, I, I think they're making like four mil a year. Uh, that You're not going to get that really anywhere else. Yeah, if he's making four mil, mil a year, the fans are just, remember the old days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you, the, we can watch our uh, best of Kevin Steen and El Generico DVDs. So, who influenced your? Um, what wrestler influenced your style in the ring? Um, Vader, I would say, is a huge influence to the way I work, um, and just Vader is probably my favorite pro wrestler of all time. Uh, so he, he definitely influences, uh, a lot of what I do just being an athletic big guy. Uh, he's why I do some of the more athletic things that I do do, uh, as well as just, you know, lots of fucking hard hitting power moves and shit. Um, so I would say Vader is probably my biggest influence. There's definitely some Abdullah the Butcher in there. Um, I I also I I mean I kind of throw a lot of suplexes and stuff so uh I mean there that that kind of comes from like a little bit of Taz uh so I I guess that would probably be the best way to describe me uh Abdullah the Butcher Vader and Taz all mixed into one What are some of your favorite matches in wrestling in your wrestling career and why so my ma- my first match with Slack, just that's the match where I blew up a little bit. Granted, I ain't shit, dude. But uh, I there was a lot of fucking people in the deathmatch community that talked about that match when it happened. They bought that uh, show because they heard about that match. Uh, there's also just a lot of people that still bring it up to this day. And there's not a lot of death. Uh, I I don't want to toot my own horn or pat my own back, but there's just not a lot of death matches that people talk about from that era. And I feel like me and Schlack had one of the best ones of that year. Um, so me me and Schlack at IWA Mid South, and also that's on YouTube for anybody to watch. Schlack posted it, uh, so that's definitely one of the highlights for me. Uh, me and Max X at you. UEW, I think it was UEW Fuck the World 2. Um, me and Max X just, I thought, had a really, really cool match that made sense psychologically. Um, good big man, little man thing. And I was also green as goose shit uh, in that match, too. I mean, I was just a, a little bit over a year into the business. So uh, it was cool to be able to pull out a, a, a good match like that. And that that one I've always been proud of. Uh, one more. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Oh, uh, me and JD Horror in the Under the Crimson Sea death match. That match isn't the cleanest, but we did do some really fucking brutal spots. We stuck each other with fish hooks and all types of fucking disgusting shit. And uh, I think that match made JD, who became one of my best friends in real life, uh, and uh, like a big brother to me. Uh, I think that match earned made made him uh gain respect for me. And uh, that that's always been one of my favorites just to look back on and watch even if it isn't like the greatest like technically or anything like that. What are some of your biggest victories in your career in your opinion? Um well I mean probably the biggest 
because one, one thing I will say, I've never won a title ever in my career. And I've uh, granted, I took four years off, but, you know, I started nine years ago, almost going on 10. And uh, so I've never won a belt or anything, but I have won two tournaments. One of them uh, w- is that deathmatch tournament I mentioned earlier, the Crimson Cup. It was uh, at the time they were called Blood Brothers and it was Blood Brothers Crimson Cup 2. Um, now they are called uh, Crimson Crown Wrestling and they are based out of uh, California, Los Angeles. Uh, and definitely check them out. That's where you can catch me now. Um, and they're on IWTV, all their shows. Uh, so that so winning their uh, Crimson Cup two tournament was a big deal for me because it just had a lot of the top guys in deathmatch wrestling uh, in it. I mean, we're talking G Raver, uh, we're talking Marcus Crane, rest in peace, brother. Uh, Schlack, um, Drew Chaos was in there, which was awesome. Uh, Insaniac, who is based out of uh, Cal- California, I can't remember oh yeah terex was in there and terex is pretty big name now uh neil diamond cutter was in there as well so there was just a lot of big deathmatch names uh and it was just cool to you know win that even though i felt like i didn't deserve it uh i i wish i looked fondly back on that win but the so that tournament win was probably the biggest thing that the biggest win i've ever had uh, other than that, I would think I, at the beginning of my career, I won like a tag team tournament for a Lucha company called Titanus Promotions. But other than that, those are the two things I've, uh, the only two notable things I've ever won. Wrestling history has shown us some great rivalries. You had Ric Flair, Stricky Steamboat, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. In your opinion, what is your greatest rival? Like if there had been like a high up, marquee match like those rivalries you know michael krueger and in your opinion who else um for me it was it's probably michael krueger and jd horde just because i think we've worked the most so that would be like the marquee matchup and probably my great my greatest rival uh but schlack is up there too even though we've only wrestled twice there's a lot of people that are clamoring for schlack schlack and michael krueger three uh, you could literally just look at my page and fucking see that shit. So hopefully it happens eventually. Uh, but I'd also like a rematch with JD Horror because I think we'd have a way fucking better match than we had in uh, at Crimson Cup two because that was the last time we faced each other. And man, I, I just I, I do not look fondly on it, and it was due on me because I was just I had no business being there. If a third match with Schlack happened, would you go up to Schlack and say, like, come on, man, you got the first two. <laughs> Can I use the weed whacker this time? Yeah, I mean, I feel like he owes me one, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll see. <laughs> what is the most painful weapon you've ever been hit with? I mean, the weed whacker fucking sucks. So, I I, I mean, the weed whacker is up there, uh, but I'm trying to think. I mean, the worst thing that's ever happened to me was getting burned. So I would say burns are probably like the probably the most pain I've ever gone through. I uh, I got uh, we we had a uh, this crucifix that was wrapped in barbed wire, and Insaniac tried to crucify me and fucking set it on fire, 
threw me on it and then like the thing was burning for like fucking like a minute and a half before anybody put it out and then he had to like put me on the cross to and try to you know do the whole the raven ecw thing and fucking but right when he put me on the cross it branded my back the barbed wire that was on there and it fucked me up i had like I th- it was very close to third degree burns, I think, but I think there were just really bad second degree burns, and it was like two weeks of hell fucking having that healing process. Jeez, that took. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a minute and a half. It burned for a minute and a half. You're probably lying there going like, okay, guys. Okay, guys. Well, well you, you, you know... Funny, funny thing about that, and you, again, that matches uh, up on my YouTube page if you if anybody wants to see it. But uh, he, uh, so Insaniac slammed me on it, and then like I felt like he didn't he he didn't think I got he got me good enough because like he couldn't see where I landed right. Uh, and by the time he turned around, I was I had already you know did the whole sell fucking like i was on fire and shit granted i i didn't catch on fire but i stopped dropping and rolling just to make sure and i think because of where i was he didn't think he got me on it flat he got me on it flat well he fucking picked me up to do it again and like i was like i don't want to fucking take this shit again <laughs> so i kind of like took a half-ass bump into it and then he fucking pinned me and i'm just sitting there and i'm like dude this thing's been burning like way fucking longer than than i was expecting and then somebody threw a bottle of water on it for fuck's sake <laughs> and then next thing you know i'm like oh god this is gonna suck so if i'm gonna burn don't insult me this way don't go do a lot of bottle water like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But I mean, to be fair, I've 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 had a couple of close calls with fire. Like at one time, we were in this cage match, and for whatever reason, we had this fucking stupid ball of barbed wire that somebody threw in there, and none of us could work in this damn match. It was like a six man match, and dude, I, I like I'm imagine like a couch sized bar ball of barbed wire, just in the middle of the fucking ring. It was impossible to work in. And eventually, uh, I got hit in the head with a flaming chair, and the person that hit me with it, he just threw it on the ground, and the fucking ring caught fire. <laughs> so somebody goes to get the fire extinguisher, and we're in a cage, I mind you. So, like, the ring's on fire in a cage. Somebody's trying to, like, get the cage open to get in there with the fire extinguisher. So they just say, fuck it, and go around and just try to spray it through the fire, like, through the cage. And to put to put the fire out, and when they did, like some of the fucking fire extinguisher gas or whatever the fuck you call it, went straight into Insaniac's mouth, and he fucking could not breathe. I swear, I thought he was gonna fucking die. Jesus. Yeah, it, being a deathmatch wrestler, dude. You, th- these are the things that happen sometimes. In de- in the world of death matches, if you could wrestle anyone, fight anyone from the present or the past, who would that be? Good question. Um, present or the past? I think for me, I like I would want either Kawada 
or fucking Kenta Kabashi or Sawa, like one of those like all Japan, you know, Japanese legends. Uh, but outside of that, like right, like right now, I want to wrestle fucking Schlack and JD Horror. Those are the two on my fucking list. Uh, that and then those are two two of the big reasons why I fucking I, I I'm like pushing to keep going right now is I want those matches. What do you think are the most important traits uh, someone would need to be good at deathmatch wrestling? Um, high pain tolerance for one. Uh, you gotta be able to deal with the shit, uh, especially. It's easy to just go out there and deal with it, but it's the aftermath that uh, is the hard part. It's, you know, picking I, I the other day I, I or literally yesterday, I had just picked glass out of me that I've had in since fucking July. Uh, so there's things so there's things like that that it's that suck like, you know, you and you'll you, you'll get stuff like that. You'll have like a you'll think it's like a pimple one day and you'll pop it and it'll be like, holy shit, there's a piece of glass in there. Um, So you have to be willing to put up with stuff like that. So high pain tolerance, decent uh tolerance for annoying th- shit like that and. uh Good medical insurance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um. And just like a passion for it, I think. Uh deathmatch wrestling has become very trendy, in my opinion. Uh there's a lot of people that would scoff at it a few back when I was doing it that have gone in and done light tubes now. And it, it it's one of those things where I like I don't I don't know if people are just doing it to get a cheap pop or not, but it does have a history, a really long and very interesting history. And it's always going to be the, you know, ugly stepsister of fucking pro wrestling, but it, it is an interesting one. And it has a, a, a lot of fucking amazing matches throughout the years have been death matches. What's the vice of the, what is the best advice anyone's given to you that you didn't you know now, but you didn't know back then? Um, like as far like as far as like uh, being a wrestler, yeah, probably, being a, yeah. Pro- probably just um, letting letting things like when you're when you're wrestling a, when you're wrestling a match, letting things register. I feel like a lot of wrestling is too fast paced now. And because of that, it's just like cool move spot, cool move spot, cool move spot. And I think you could get away with a lot less. Uh, And I think some, some of the best matches of all time have just had a lot less and they've been more memorable because fans are able to soak up what they just saw and not like, Okay, there was a cool move next to the next spot, to the next spot, to the next spot. Like sometimes you just need to let shit breathe for a minute. And as I'm getting older, and especially now that my body's a lot more beat up than it was fucking four years ago, uh, I'm I'm learning that a lot better. Like it, it, you need to slow shit down sometimes and not do so much and just let 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 things play out in a cinematic way that's going to be more memorable than just doing all this cool cool stuff for you know small clips on facebook 
What do you wish everybody, like every fan, understood about your job? I think I would. I wish they understood that it's okay just to be a fan. Um, I think a lot of people now stick their nose like so far behind the the, the screen that like. They're not having as much fun as they had years ago. Like I, I, I do think that being out with everything in wrestling, like dirt sheets, have always been around. I'm not talking about shit like that. I'm talking about like you're going into, you're going and digging up something that a wrestler said in a promo who is playing a character, fucking 15 years ago when the scape of the world was way different, and then like going and attacking them for it now. I think that's yeah. that. What's up? Fucking hate that. It's like yeah. you say something. It's like, wait a second, that has a little racial tendencies to it. Yeah. Like, racist, racist. And it's like, dude, it's well, years ago. Well, and the other thing I don't understand, and, th- and maybe this is going to get me a little bit in trouble, is like fucking there it's wrestling. Like there's a they're playing a character just because Johnny uh, you know, A said that he he that he doesn't like uh so and so because of the color of their skin in a wrestling ring is different than fucking saying it in real life. They, they, pro, pro wrestling has always had like controversial gimmicks like that, and I think a, a lot of people aren't educated enough in the in the sport to understand that like it is performance like there it has like maybe it offends you but it's supposed to because you want to see you're supposed to see that guy get the shit kicked out of him by the guy that he's doing that to like there's a there's a psychology to it and i what i don't understand is we're able to have it in any every other source of media we're able to have it in tv shows and everything else but we're not able to have it in wrestling it's all entertainment it's all fiction it's not I, I I don't understand people that make big deals about shit like that. And I, I hate, and you know, it, as psychologically, it, it just, it takes a toll on you when you're a wrestler every fucking day. And you, you're, you know, you po you, you think you're out from underneath something. And then so, so, somebody brings something up that you said 10 years ago in a stupid wrestling promo at a, at a wrestling show. Like it's really, it's really dumb. There's something going on in my town right now that really has me pissed off with somebody that like got in trouble for something that they said in the promo. And it, I got, I get a little fired up when I think about that. So uh, that's probably the one thing I'll say, say to a fan, I wish they understood like how psychologically taxing all that shit is. And it's okay to just be a fucking fan and just watch it and immerse yourself in the fiction. Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Yeah. I like to watch, you know, wrestling. And like, I like to have, I'll be honest, I'm always honest on the show. It's like if there's a f- event in the evening, I will go have a drink. I will go smoke some bowls. And mm-hmm. so I can just relax and I kind of escape reality a little bit yeah. and just enjoy it. And you can have that feeling, look for that feeling where I was a kid again. And I knew when I was a kid again, you know, you watch wrestling growing up, my, I always thought that was fighting. Yeah. Fighting's not pretty. It's controversial. Yeah. 
Exactly. If, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be like off offended off something, and I think it's also more of a popularity type thing because yeah. Kurt Angle one time did say during a promo he does not like the black. <laughs> yes, exactly. And no one says a fucking thing about it. It's yeah. all quiet because Kurt Angle is respected. He's well liked. That's fine, but you cannot be dropping race cards on other people who said something similar or. Like, I'm surprised Even, I don't like David Schiff of that whole barbed wire crucifixion. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, like, I, I got, I got, I got a little bit, just a little. <laughs> it's like it's it's like you're it's like death matches. It's death matches. Yeah, yeah. I, there, there's, I, I, I still don't understand that. And like again, there's like especially with the race thing, I've seen people say, well, they don't want to be reminded about the real world because they go to wrestling to escape reality but like you could say that about motherfucking every form like you could say that about movies like okay then just don't watch that wrestling but it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist yeah i hate fucking people online that goes like oh my god look at nxt look at aew mm-hmm. you just have full oh yeah. my god they're going out of business are they dying who the fuck if i go to an event i'd much rather have a half full event Mm-hmm. And feel the electricity and the magic of it. It's like yeah. like going to death match. You're not gonna see like sixty thousand people venues filled with death for a death match. No, but just five hundred people and you feel the energy from it. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I I think I think wrestling fans just get they just get too caught up. Like just fucking see if you like the matches. Don't worry about all the other bullshit. But at, at the same time. I'm I'm not uh I don't think that people shouldn't discuss it. I just don't think it should be I feel like that's more popular than the wrestling itself sometimes because I feel like people aren't necessarily talking about great matches anymore. They're talking about whatever the next controversial thing that happened in pro wrestling is. Yeah. Whether it be on the show or outside of it. Hey, before every episode here, I always put a uh viewer discretion advice. Mm-hmm. People get say something afterwards. It's like, well, it says viewer discretion advised. Yeah. Why did you pass that part? If you were to be offended, you were warned. Yeah. You didn't hear me. Hear the warning. That's a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sure. sorry, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with it. Like, I, but at, at the same time, like, you know different strokes for different folks but it, it, i think it, i think it's funny that people don't go out of their way to like do this shit for like actors or you know i you played that 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 role that was racist like <laughs> you, you should be canceled like that's that's a little ridiculous when that's you think stupid but but if professional wrestling never existed and death matches never existed mm-hmm. what would you be doing Oh fuck! Um, I feel like I probably would have did MMA, um, if if it didn't exist. Uh, but I also am a podcaster myself, so uh, I I I do a podcast called Flesh Wound Features on YouTube. It's a horror movie podcast, and we also have a side for comedy and wrestling stuff too. Uh, we kind of do it all there. Uh, but I'd probably, you know, be a podcaster and an MMA fighter instead of a podcaster and a wrestler. You know what kills horror movies? What is that? Having kids. 
<laughs> I haven't seen a horror movie. I don't know how long. And I used to be a horror movie junkie. Really? But then all of a sudden I had kids and my wife's like, Oh, you can't, you can't be watching this as I'm yeah. like, what? As you see the saw coming down some woman's head. It's like, <laughs> oh, what, what, what's wrong with this? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that I have some friends that are in a similar situation and like they can get the, the chance to like see one horror movie a year when their kids are like at their grandma's house. They're like, they're lucky. Because death matches, I would just watch over my phone. When it's death. <laughs> but it's just, but you know, it's, not, it's not something about death matches, you know, you can yeah. pause it and you get back into it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. If you miss like five minutes of it, no big deal. Movies, you got to watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Like, I don't like pausing and like unpausing movie and like starting it later. Like, I feel like I got to watch the whole thing at once. Five years from now, where do you see yourself? Hopefully out of wrestling. I'm so like my mission right now is like I ain't trying to make it big or do anything like that. I have a bucket list of shit I want to do in pro wrestling. And once I do said bucket list, I will be fucking happy. And I could say goodbye to it because I did say goodbye to it for a while. And my biggest reason for coming back is I'm not happy with the way I ended it. So I uh I feel like I got another two and a half years in me maybe three um so hopefully once i quit wrestling i'm i'm probably gonna still be doing the podcast so uh, i could see myself still doing the podcast hopefully making a little bit more money off of it and uh i don't know maybe maybe hopefully married too dude like i got a great girlfriend so uh hopefully it goes it, it goes in that direction so podcaster and married instead of podcaster and wrestling. Well, well, first of all, if you make money off podcasting, God bless you because I haven't seen a damn cent. I'm trying. I'm trying. So for us, the the only money we've seen right now is from our Patreon. Uh, mm-hmm. We have like a de- a decent amount of subscribers. It's nothing like amazing, but what 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 our goal is is just to kind of get more patrons and hopefully uh, get more traffic there and make a little bit more but uh yeah pay, pay, patreon's uh pretty uh pretty good little service i don't know if you have one yet but uh you, you should get one so your fans can subscribe to it bro and i think around with it it's just like yeah and it's still still my west maybe's yeah, yeah. But you just want to make enough to take your girlfriend out for a dinner, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what events do you have coming up? So December 16th, I will be at Casa Grand Wrestling. Um, we it, it, it is uh, called Winter Wonder Slam. It is a Christmas-themed wrestling show. So Christmas Kruger, who is, uh, came out one other time in history, uh, he is making his return. So... If you're in the Casa Grande area in Arizona, come on out. Uh, you can see the uh, information for the show on my Facebook uh, under Michael Kruger. And uh, so other than that, you can see me unmasked, if you want, uh, on the uh, on my YouTube page, uh, Flesh Wound Features. And also, I will be wrestling at... Um, 
uh, Crimson Crown Wrestling at some point, I think, next year. Uh, hopefully in the early year. And uh, so th- those are really the only pieces right now. Does your girlfriend go to the, these events you go you wrestling? So she hasn't been to an event yet. Um, she's only seen the aftermath of some death matches. Uh, but she is going to the Casa Grande wrestling show, the Christmas one. So uh, that she, that that's going to be her first time, which I'm looking forward to. That 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 honestly is kind of what enticed me to do this show because it's, it's local and it'll be easier for her to for her to see. Was it her choice to go, or did you have to blackmail her? Like, <laughs> go to my events. And if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna continue this relationship, you gotta <laughs> see me take a barbed wire bat upside my head. <laughs> um, no, actually, it is her choice to go. She's actually she's surprisingly intrigued by the death match thing. Something about like picking glass she likes, so hey, it all worked out. <laughs> Man, those women are rare. Marry yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> marry her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If she if she has no problems, you almost catch this thing getting caught and set on fire. You know, yeah. just say so you're not mad. I don't have to hear about it. <laughs> Great. I wasn't with her when that happened. I don't know how pissed she would have been if that did happen. But I mean, I mean, hopefully, I don't get burned like that anytime soon again. But if it does happen, I I I can only hope she accepts it. <laughs> And she accepts the fact that she's gonna be having to like dress the wound and fucking clean it and shit. Like you can want to marry me. <laughs> yeah. <It's> not, sorry. <laughs> so where can people find you on on social media? Okay, so uh like I said, my podcast Flesh Wound Features is on YouTube. It's also on like uh Spotify and uh App- Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff. But we do have video on YouTube, so that's my preferred uh, format to watch. I also stream on a gaming channel on YouTube called Flesh Wound Gaming. Uh, so you could see me on there. I stream all the fucking time. You don't really, uh, and just various horror games. Uh, I'm also on YouTube or not, uh, well, on YouTube as Michael Kruger. Uh, so you could see my matches through that page. And then I'm on Facebook as Michael Kruger. Uh, also, uh on Instagram as uh Michael Kruger lives six 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 and I think that's about it. I just gotta ask that little Hellraiser box over there, that's mm-hmm. the realm of hell he came from, isn't it? Mm, no, mine's from Dante's Inferno, believe it or not. But uh I'd like to meet the Cenobites. I think we'd be friends. <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably like you more than he'll like me i'm just oh i mean dude it, it's it, the 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 pain and pleasure thing like they'd be sticking me with shit and i'll be like this is like a sunday yes it's like really really <laughs> slack and shove that it's yeah like, further than you come on <laughs> michael i appreciate your time thank you very much for coming on i wish you luck my friend Oh, thank you, bro. I, I really appreciate it. And if you ever want me back on, I'll be happy to be here, man. Uh, don't don't say that because I do contact people when they say that. Oh, <laughs> fucking go ahead, dude. We can check in, talk, whatever. I, I'm down.
get my fucking colleagues on. Tell them that you're not coming on. Then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, we should. We should jump scare them. <laughs> Don't give me ideas. <laughs> we'll definitely keep in touch. Thank you very much. This is a KTB Media Podcast, and we are out. Thank you.